Andrea and I need your help. If you like our episodes, please give us a five-star rating and a review. Not sure exactly how that helps us, but it does, and it makes people want to listen. When they see that five stars and a good review from you, So go to wherever you're listening to your podcasts, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, wherever, and hit that five stars. Have you ever watched a live performance and wondered what all goes into being on stage? Are the performers and singers slaves to their craft? Can just anyone with a good voice be able to be in an opera, or must you just be skilled in high-octave notes? Today we talk with Kristen Horn. She may be able to answer these questions and much more. So Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you. So, luckily I'm horse. So I can't sing. You don't have to put up with me singing. I'm not a singer. I never. Uh, I no dogs at howl if I start singing. See, she now one of the things that you told me in in some uh, preliminary back and forth words on mm-hmm. on pixels basically internet. Mm-hmm. I don't know whatever email. I'm not doing well today. So <laughs> bear with me. Is that you help people who say they can't sing? I do. Yes. I'm a voice teacher for people who quote unquote can't sing. Andrea thinks she can't sing. That's a lot of people think they can't sing. Well, I like here's here's where I'm coming from. OK, as I played the flute for a long time and yeah. my dad was. a. You piano. never went to band camp, did you? No. OK, good. We were pretty poor. Band camp I'm, was a luxury. No, no. You, <laughs> you completely missed the American I, Pie yeah, reference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my father played piano a lot growing up and mm-hmm. my brother did drums. So my father used to always say that I could naturally hear the pitch and my brother could be able to pl- play a song without knowing how to read music. So as I got older and older and older, I started to have ringing in my ears. So my oh, no. ability to hear. Tinnitus. Hear, no, it's actually out of school. It's otosclerosis. Otosclerosis? What's the difference between otosclerosis and tinnitus? The bones in the middle part of your ear, um, it's genetic. They um, are soft and not hardened like most normal people. So mm. you don't hear pitch and tone as well. And as you hit about your mm. mid-30s, you get ringing in your ears. Oh. And eventually it leads to deafness. But anyway, So what's tinnitus? It's a different kind of ringing in your ears. Right. It's more like loud music, things like that you're exposed to. get the Damaged thing. hearing. Dam- What'd yeah. you say? Uh, ha, ha, ha. What? <laughs> I, the, if I have a massive stereo system sitting right behind me. So one of these days when we decide to actually turn the cameras on, everyone will see my massive stereo system and they will realize that what, what is a pretty normal thing. I say, yeah, cause I'm like, turn it down. I can't, if I can't, I'm think. like, it's not even on six. It goes to like 20. <laughs> I have to be careful because loud music and stuff like that will make it, I guess, worse. So I lost my ability yeah. to be able to hear pitch as well you as I used not. to. You complain about people who are barely out of pitch all the time. Not that I bad. have really good ear. But it was something my dad was always like, you could hear that. And I like I've, I've gone to like little things in college where people be playing in bands and then they'd sit there and be like, how did you do? And I'm like, you really don't want me to answer. I was like, somebody was off. <laughs> <laughs> she can hear 
those she's she's on i don't know she might be better than me i don't know because she's never really tried to do it and, and i have to produce music and 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 yeah the whole nine yards because i i'm more of a director for uh audio visual kind of you know movies yeah commercials <laughs> so i have to listen to the pitch and i have to listen to the beats and i have to listen to the intonation mm-hmm. because even if it's just somebody getting slapped if it's the wrong note Mm-hmm. It will sound wrong and it will make people not want to watch mm-hmm. whatever you're playing. The wrong frequency. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yep. weird, but you didn't. And, and sound is the Achilles heel for all filmmakers, especially <laughs> the, the, the less experienced. It's really generally the last thing a filmmaker invests in. Yep. Which is should be the first, honestly. Hmm. So long story short, I don't want to. I'm worried about learning how to sing because I'm going to get frustrated with myself if I can't hear it off pitch. That's why you get this so pit I monitor. Do work, I do work with people who who can't hear when they're off pitch, and that to me now your case might be different with the the medical um, condition, but um, I, it sounds like your ear like is still pretty good. So I, I I would bet with a little bit of practice you'd be fine. I can send you my master class. I know we're not doing we're not doing the entrepreneur thing, but seriously, I have a free master class <laughs> if you want to try it. <laughs> I don't know. He keeps telling me, oh, I bet you'll be a good singer. She's like, got oh. this husky, burly, yet feminine voice. But aren't all mm. women supposed to sing like really high notes? And God, no, they start no, singing those sure. really high notes. I turn it off. I don't li- oh, I don't like high, wi- high pitched female singers. You I, wouldn't want to hear my voice, my, my singing then. Well, no, no. I, I, <laughs> it's in rock music. It's different when you get into different genres of music. That's true. It does. So kind of to your point about balancing sound in film, it's the same with voice, right? So opera sounds different when you're singing higher because opera singers work so hard to balance that sound, no matter where they're singing in their range. So soprano opera, opera, sorry, opera singers who are sopranos who are singing much higher, that sound is balanced better. It's not really shrill. It's not like, well, I mean, some people still find the sound unpleasant, but I guess what I'm saying is that that, that balance is there. Whereas some people, when they're singing up there, it's just kind of shrieking. Well, and or you have speaking. your own intonation. Every person does. And they have. Yeah. And if, maybe you'd be, you probably have music theory classes. Well, I don't. Mm-hmm. I know what intonation is, but I couldn't sit here and explain it to you. So for our listeners, could, do you think you could, do you think you could tackle that next, that definition? intonation i would rather look it up (laughs) (laughs) to be completely honest true musician actually because we don't know what we know what it is yeah but it's difficult to define yeah Yeah. i mean we like to the practicing musicians i think we like to leave that to the academics i'm sure my theory teacher could define it for you yes but just on a practical level intonation is like are you in the center of the pitch that you're attempting to create well when we tune a guitar we, we we do intonation Right. So we, you, when you tune a guitar and you're looking for the intonation, you barely touch the string yeah. and you hit it to where, and you got to do it in a certain way where it rings. So the inside of the wire is still vibrating, but the outside of the wire is muted. It's weird. But mm. when you do that, if it's the same key and the same, and it's right there in the, in the Hertz, mm-hmm. Right then your intonation's right. But if your strings are broken or if you've got too much tension Mm -hmm. or if your bridge is too high or whatever, and you do that, they're, they're not going to match. And if they don't match, you've got a problem on your hands and you got to find out, do I need a new string or is my instrument? 
Mm. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a real problem if it's not your string because strings are easy to fix. Right. Your instrument's not. No, you got to have and and, and most in, most musicians can't fix intonation when it's completely out. But they have micro adjustments on like my guitar has has micro adjustments on it that I put my little screwdriver in and I can adjust it and fix my intonation. Mm -hmm. So how does that work with opera singers and people in general? It's not like you're in the moment singing a song and you're off and you think you're, you feel like you're off pitch. What do you do? Do you just fix it instantaneously or you, do you just practice it so much that your body just naturally goes where it's supposed to go it's, in the voice range? It's usually the second, but because it, you know, it's live performing, um, little things will happen. Sure. You'll, you'll, you'll even hear like the greats, they'll go a little flat or a little sharp sometimes. Um, oh, and just for the listeners who might not know flat is a little too low and sharp is a little too high. Um, so, and, and if you catch that during your performance, like every now and then while I'm performing, I'll be like, wait, wait, whoa, am I, where am I? Where am I, am I in the right pitch? Like, am I in the right place? Um, and then you just kind of bring your awareness focusing in on the music for a little bit. And then usually there will be a point where you know you're back on track and you just kind of go back on, not necessarily autopilot, but it's like what you said, you practiced it so much that um, you get back into the groove and you're like, okay, yes, I know I'm for sure in this place. Um, but the technique, even, even with that, the technique for opera is so challenging to maintain and... Mm, I don't know if there's an and there. It's so challenging to maintain that even with all of the practice, it's slipping a little bit is normal. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Like I saw an opera once I took a yeah. music theory class in college and that was one of mm. our requirements is to go see a live performance. And yeah, we live in Northwest Arkansas and we don't have a whole lot of well, <laughs> options, but yeah. an opera was, I don't even remember. We sing opera down at the Cornhuskers place. Oh my God. We go down there and we have ourselves a nice uh, uh, crawfish bowl <laughs> I, and we sing some operas. I honestly don't remember the name of it, but it came to Walton Earth Center I saw it and it was in, I want to say it was in Italian. And Probably. I remember being totally mesmerized by it. All the costumes, all the the singing, the subtitles, just the whole production. And I kind of, I like art, stuff like that. So I remember thinking, this is really cool. But how in the world did those women or men just, do they wake up one day and like, I'm going to be an opera singer? Or no. do it's like, hey, you have a good voice. Have you thought about doing this? Or... How do you, how does one fall into that? Well, um, we were chatting a little bit about this before we started recording, but um, mine, my personal story is not super um, out of the norm, out of the norm. Like it's pretty, pretty typical where I wanted to sing musical theater when I was a kid. I wanted to be on Broadway and my grandma was my first opera, my first voice teacher. And she was an opera singer. And she was like, look, if you study opera, it will make your musical theater singing better. And yeah. so when I got into college, um, I wasn't really applying to any places that had really strong musical theater programs. Um, they all wanted classical music. And so I went to my grandma and we started working on classical singing. Um, and then I met a voice teacher who was like, you have a ton of potential and I want you to come and work with me, which is what you want. If you're, if you're going to do opera, you need to find a, a voice teacher that you can trust. Um, and that believes in you wholeheartedly. And, um, 
can shape you and push you uh, in yeah. the right ways. You need a mentor. Um, exactly. It's, that's one thing for me. I run a nonprofit called Arts and Entertainment Council, and we try to teach people how to um, get into the film business. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not go to Hollywood and do all that. No, you got to work. Mm-hmm. It's work. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. a job. It's not, it's, if you don't treat it like a job, you're going to lose. I keep trying to tell people that. Um, and it's the same thing. So the reason I'd started that is to attempt to, I want to a mentor to people who don't have anyone out there like me, when I, like myself, when I grew up, people told me being in the arts was dumb. Taking photographs for a living is stupid. Mm-hmm. Writing these stories is silly. Recording your voice is dumb. And I sold insurance for 20 years. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that mentor because I didn't have the mentor and everybody told me art was stupid because they didn't know. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, they were told by their farmer grandparents, you know, that art is stupid. You got to go out there and plant some, plant some beans or you're going to eat or forget uh, this art or business major. Right. Yeah. So, right, or something so you got to have that mentor. Yeah, and, and, for sure. And it took me until I was 35 years old before I started doing this professionally. So mm-hmm. your mentor, did they just like get a bunch of like really hard sheet music or just have you practice? Or did she like, okay, today we're going to learn C in this pitch, you know, or how does, how do you get um, your voice trained up to those? Because I just remember in that opera, there was like cattle prods. <laughs> I guess that's one way of doing it. I mean, they were like really high beautiful voices mm-hmm. and i'm always mm-hmm. like man do you just wake up one morning and can do that or do you have a teacher that like gradually because in music with me it was okay today we're going to learn this note and we're going to practice it and we're mm-hmm. going to practice this Wee. song over and over and over again and practice mm-hmm. to get that high pitch i hated that part of so the saxophone right so that is like that's very preliminary stuff that is kind of expected that you already know if you're in college for music. Um, thankfully sucks. now I had to catch up on some theory in terms of like reading music, yeah. um, understanding w- what was written on the page. Cause really music theory is like its own language, um, yeah. which I don't think people give enough credit for. Film music, theory music is, is not extremely difficult. <laughs> Film theory is you sit in there and you watch a bunch of movies and then you all pos- po- 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 I can't say postulate, it. postulate and pro- mm. prophesize about your feelings about the movie. And the professor goes, you're wrong. And, and you go, how can I be wrong? It's an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> this class is your opinion. Welcome to college. Yeah. Right. And right. So, so yeah, film theory is just the opposite. Now, there may be some people that do film theory differently, but the film theory I was exposed to was, how, what did you think about AT? Oh, what a good movie. I like that particular camera movie. I did. Oh yeah. We could use that later. That oh was, that, that was film theory that I <laughs> was exposed to. Yeah. <laughs> um, But no, as to the question for um, like, do do those singers just wake up one day and are be able, able to do that, are be able, are able to do that is no, there's, there's years. It's um, what Paul said about um, treating it like a job. Um, So I practiced for 30 hours a week. Um, Like I got a lot of criticism from like my aunt. She was like, oh, you should be working a part-time job. I was like, no, I'm practicing. That's my part-time job. Yeah. That's true. Um, now, That's it doesn't mean it. I was singing for 30 hours a week. You sh- really should only uh, sing like 
if you're in rehearsals, you'll be singing on and off for about three hours a day, three yeah. to four. Um, but if I'm not in rehearsal, I can sing up to an hour a day. Um, and that will be, that's a good practice session. Um, the rest is spent uh, doing research, watching operas, listening to who's working, um, doing your networking. Um, yeah, that's the other <clears throat> thing about it. You got to network or you're not going to work. 100%. It's sad, but true. It's true. It's, 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 yeah. It feels like nepotism when you get in the business. When you get in any entertainment yes, it business, does. it feels like nepotism. But yes, that's just the way it it's works. frustrating. Yes. <laughs> You heard the authors. We, the authors have said the same thing. Yeah. So what do you do? Just like stick your resumes out there and go like audition and, and that kind of thing. And then if you think yes, like your yeah. voice, then you stay off of the casting couch. You will not get a role and you'll just be, you know, ashamed. That's all I can say. There, I mean, there are websites that can <laughs> you can sign up for to alert you to uh auditions nationwide, um, sometimes worldwide, uh, depending on what programs you're interested in. And now um, it's but it also, up. Yeah, we can now do it. Right. We can, we can audition for something in Brussels, living in mm -hmm. Alaska. But for opera singers, it's, it's a little more difficult because um, age is so important with opera that if you're under the age of 30, it's very rare for you to be working professionally in, mm, I mean, a, uh, uh, anything above like a C or D house. Why? Um, why? This? Because our voices aren't done developing. Women's voices specifically aren't done developing until we're like 35. Really? Yeah. So like my Fach, oh, that's a fancy German word for voice type. Um, so in, in opera, we have what we call Fachs and they're very specific yeah. voice types. Be, so be careful. Soprano. Make sure you pronounce oh, it yes. correctly. Fach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so wait a minute, what kind of show is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, so, I mean, you guys might be familiar with the, the soprano, alto, tenor, bass. Those are mm -hmm. choir voice types. Yeah. Um, so sopranos sing up high, altos are the gals that sing a little lower, tenors are the guys that like to sing high, ba basses are the guys that like to sing low. Well, opera, it's like taking those four and putting them into a prism um, because splitting they, it like, up even, even just, more. You split it up even more. So sopranos, there are like eight different types of sopranos. Oh my lord! Yeah, yeah. that's that's when I started getting confused about it because I'm like, wait, 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 mm -hmm. what? What? Mm -hmm. oh. So I could, you know, I could rattle off some terms and kind of like boggle your mind. It's just like, uh, there's things huh? like soprano and there's lyric soprano and there's light lyric soprano and there's coloratura soprano and there's dramatic soprano and there's spinto and there's light dramatic coloratura. And there, it just, there's wow. just so many. It's insane. Um, and that's just sopranos. So one of the difficulties with finding wow. work is there are uh, like sopranos are a dime a dozen. Um, if you apply for, so I, the, when I was applying for auditions, I was applying for what are called young artist programs because I was too young to be singing professionally at places, you know, even like San Diego opera or LA opera, I needed to get into a young artist program so that I could continue my development and then be eligible <laughs> to wow. hire wow. at a professional level. Um, and then I was a soprano. So if say a thousand applicants, Say there were a thousand applicants, 500 of them would be sopranos yeah. of all different types. And the other thing that you have to pay attention to is what 
their future season is that they're casting for. Because if they're casting shows that don't need your type of voice or your type of soprano, your type of tenor, don't even bother applying. That's the other thing about opera that is like, we're not super thrilled about how the industry is going, um, is that it's extremely expensive to even apply. Really? For the honor of applying and then the honor of auditioning yeah. and even to be considered for work, it's it can be up to a hundred dollars. And then you have to pay for your own travel, your yep. own flights. It's, it's that way in acting it's, it's too. Difficult. Acting's the same way. You get you get you do your you go on and you create a profile on there's a couple of sites that they look like junk. They look like they're made in nineteen ninety. You do. I'm on yeah. one actually. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And and but that's where they hire you from. I've gotten gigs off of it. My buddy Jeremy does mm-hmm. it all the time. That's a little bit more economical though, um, because you just you pay s- like the yearly uh subscription fee and then you can apply for as many as you want. At least the one that I'm on. Yeah. Um and which one is it? I, I'm on Actors Access. Yeah, that's where I was at. Yeah. Um, so, so, no, for opera, it's like per but, application. And on top of the subscription fee for the website that you uh, hear the auditions from. There's so or, many actors um, out there that they can support it uh, with the uh, yearly. So, I got a question. I guess mm-hmm. in my head, I think. Anybody can be an actor. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I would think that opera singers are rare i guess listen to you guys it's it's not so there's a i mean sorry finish your question sorry (laughs) is there like a ton of people out there that have like been trained to do opera and you're all fighting for like maybe 12 spots a year i mean it's in america yeah that's kind of what it feels like there's 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 thousands of us yeah and we and and um houses are having to cut budgets and they can't pay us as well and then um, like the unions make sure that the instrumentalists get paid really Jeez. well. And then the singers don't get paid very well. And it's just, a, yeah, it's, it's really tough. It's a tough. I hate the um, unions. The unions, if you trying to do a pr- production in New York city and you want to, to bring a bottled water to your talent in their dressing room, you have to hire a union guy to bring that water in. Yeah. And that's all he can do. He can't be hired for wow. anything else. And that one bottle of ninety-two cent water that you can get down at the store and cross across the 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 you know across the state lines in Jersey for like twenty-four for twenty for ten bucks now cost you about a hundred dollars a bottle, mm-hmm. and it's insane. I really think the unions have quite <clears throat> kind of messed up a lot of stuff, actually. Yeah, I I understand. You kind of hit a hot um, button with me on that because no, right? I t- and I I totally feel you. Like I I've listened you know to enough people that I'm like, okay, I can see why the unions are important, what their intention yeah. was, but then it got bogged down in bureaucracy and corruption, which is what happens to a lot of organizations. So yeah, when humans are involved, that's what it boils down. Exactly, to. exactly. <laughs> and so for the opera scene in America, there there's just not there isn't a lot of opera. Um, there are a lot of singers out there, um, but percentage wise so far is like, there's definitely a lot more people working on being film actors for sure. Yeah. Well, um, cause and it's, just opera is such a smaller niche. It's, it's tough too, because a 14 year old who is the person who purchases and consumes the majority of the entertainment in America, 14 year old mm-hmm. boy and girl, all the way up to what, 23, 24, they want to listen to opera just about as much as they want to have somebody pull their eyeballs out of their head and make them eat them. 
Pretty much. So that's <laughs> it's 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 tough. Well, it yeah. used to be opera was the only thing you were going to see, mm-hmm. and that's what you wanted to see. And then, you know, economics. Well, that was the entertainment away. of the time. Yeah, yeah. That's where musical theater came from. Yeah. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that Rodgers and Hammerstein. They were writing for opera singers because opera singers would come from the Met and go straight to Broadway because there was no amplification yet. Right. Right. You had, and and that's like stage actors, same thing. You have to be able to to project Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm -hmm. opera singers can project. Oh yes. We train. (laughs) That's one of the things we have to train for so long for is we have to sing over however big the orchestra is, you know, and that changes depending on which composer you're singing. Mozart's orchestra, not super huge, but, and that's why the bigger voices are the only ones that can sing like stuff like Wagner, uh, because that those voices orchestra. are the only ones that can be heard over yeah. such a massive orchestra. That's interesting. But now with amplification, it, may, it should make it easier. We don't use amplification. You still. don't still. No, I mean, I think so. Some of the opera houses that are doing, um, they're like streaming their operas or recording them to to put on their, yes, to put on like their websites. Like, oh, you can get the Met on demand, which is a great service, by the way. Um, But uh, so there's mics set up around the house to pick that up. But we still do not use amplification in the same way that like, you know, musical theater, you can see the little mic. It's like sitting there on their forehead or you can see it like taped to the side of their face. Or they're just wearing a headset. Yeah. Or they're just wearing a headset. Opera singers don't do that at all. Um, The only time singers might be miked for an opera is if it's a kid's chorus. And that's because kids are not expected to have that much. They're not going to have the range. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So opera houses will mic See, Very you lightly, could, you, you could have done opera. No, because you're as you're as loud as I am. You have no mic when you're singing on stage. Correct. Wow. She Zero. goes outside and yells for the dogs, and and the car alarms go off about, not, thir- about five miles away. No, another exception. <laughs> <laughs> another exception to that rule might be if it's an outdoor venue. Mics are becoming a little more acceptable in outdoor venues, depending on what the venue is. And yeah, that's just amphitheater, you might not need it. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. But if you're but some stage, outdoor venues, yeah. they're just not designed to carry the, like the sound dissipates too quickly. Yes. Uh, so it has to be mic'd. So basically for you to be able to do the craft that you enjoy and make money, it's pure luck? No. Much. I would no. say it's the I best of the I, best of the best at that point. It, it's it's the best of the best of the best, and it's the most determined. Like just the yeah, you, you give up. refuse to give up. So how I just guess, refuse. You just have to keep going. I guess I'm sitting here thinking, like, how does one who's 35 years old trying to make it in the business able to support a family and put food on the table? Is that why all starving? You have a artists, side job. Side yeah. job. <laughs> we you all have, have side job. jobs. Wow. We all have side jobs. Yep. The fact that yep. I make commercials and for a company it's it's not common that's kind of sad though because i guess back in the day like opera singers were like that was you know they were the most sought after people in the world to get to be around i mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how much gosh wow we've changed that's kind of i mean there are still singers that are like that but yes the styles have changed it has definitely veered away from the opera singers there are some opera singers who do it full time but they're the ones that are touring the world you know they're singing at sydney they're singing at the met they're singing in berlin they're singing at la scala 
there, the Royal Opera House, you know, in London, that's, those are the kind of the only full-time that's not true. Actually, Germany is amazing. And Germany um, has uh, like state funding for their singers. So they, I cannot remember what they're called, but they will have contracts for singers where they will hire singers full time there. That's that can be tricky for singers to navigate because you're completely at the whims of the director of that house. And so they may require you to sing a role for which your voice is not really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And you kind of just have to navigate that as best you can and whether the negative crit, the critical reviews that you get because your voice was never like, you're just not supposed to sing that role, but the house said that you would, and this is your job. So you do. (laughs) So in that regard, the, the, the bonus is that, you know, your full-time job is being an opera singer. Um, The con is that sometimes you have to sing roles that you probably shouldn't. So, how hard is it to sing in other languages? Oh, I mean, that's um, I don't want to I don't want to say half because half of the time we're practicing technique. Um, a quarter of the time, maybe a third, we're focusing on learning languages. Wow. Cause so I, I so I took languages. I studied a bunch of languages just by themselves. So you take, you know, your German classes, your French classes, your Italian classes. And then you also take um, diction classes. Ah, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So you can learn how to sing authentically in those languages without like before you've studied the languages themselves. Um, Yeah, you got to be able to do the nuances correctly or else they're going to hear right through you and be like, eh. Oh, I guess to me, I'm sitting yeah. there thinking of like you're singing in Italian. You ever sat there and think, what am I singing? <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the first thing you do is you translate your piece. Oh, OK. I did not. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. I mean, you have to translate it because the opera that I saw, it was more than just them singing. It was like they were almost singing, singing and acting at the same time, which made yeah. it even extremely yeah, it's interesting. Like, it's just like musical theater. If the actors, if the opera singers are doing their jobs correctly, it's just like musical theater. We just have an extra step. We have to translate our scores before we can get into the character. So what operas have you been in? Oh, I should have pulled. Or are you, are, are um, you still like working towards becoming? Um, so I have been in some pretty big ones. Magic Flute. I was in the, that was the first opera that I was in was called Magic Flute. Um, I have been in an opera called Gianni Skiki, which is hysterical. That's a Puccini opera. Um, I have done a concert. I never version thought of, of uh, opera being funny. Oh, my goodness. OK, Mozart. Mozart, yeah. Mozart's operas are hysterical. But if it's in German. Chance, I'm never going to know. No, Mozart wrote in Italian as oh, well. Oh, okay. I um, still wouldn't so, know. But, okay, so opera houses have these cool things called super titles. Oh, So you can see yeah, what yeah. the words are above okay. the, the proscenium. See, I took four or three years of French in high school. Mm-hmm. And so here I'm going to give you the extent <laughs> Of my French language abilities. Je m'appelle pour nos temps. That's pretty good, though. <laughs> Je m'appelle pour nos temps. And that's it. Because I had to write it on my paper every day when I walked in. You had to write that first there thing. No matter what you were doing that day, you had to write Je m'appelle pour nos temps. Really? So that's all I know. That's I know un, do, and that's it. Uh, un, deux, uh. <laughs> I don't know. That's it. <laughs> magic, magic flute, remind me. Is that. Um, is that Mozart? That's Mozart. That ah, is. I do remember a little bit. Yeah. 
is that Mozart's last opera? It's either his last or it's one of his That's last. That's when the, uh, the guy in the mask killed him. <laughs> this is an Amadeus. <laughs> that's a pretty great movie. I like that's that. That's one hundred percent accurate, but it's great. Yeah, no, it's not. Any, I don't. I never believed at any moment in time, from the time I was a child and watching that movie, that it had any basis in reality. <laughs> but, but I, it's if you have not seen, anybody's listening has not seen Amadeus. You need to watch Amadeus with an open mind and stop being a knucklehead. Because there's no jets flying or sword fights. Now, I remember watching Amadeus with my, with my father. And I remember watching it and I asked my dad, I was like, did he really laugh like that? Because the guy laughs extremely unique in that movie. Yes, yeah. And he goes, I have no idea, but it's pretty funny. Isn't your, it? your dad wasn't that old. So how could he have known? Oh, my gosh. Ha ha. That's what he should have told He should have. Come I mean, back at you on that. I'm not that, that old. <laughs> what that movie does really well is it portrays Mozart's eccentricities. Mozart yes. was extremely eccentric and he was a genius. Like there, there are stories about how his scores, they don't have any like scratch marks or they're just perfect from his, his first penning. Whereas like you, you compare that to his contemporary Beethoven who just struggled and yeah. struggled with his composing and he ink blots and scratches well, and Beethoven was the one that couldn't see, right? No, he was deaf. He was deaf. deaf. Yeah. Beethoven there was another was one deaf. I couldn't see. I don't remember which one. I, I just remember learning that Beethoven saw the legs off his piano so that he can hear the pitch by sticking his ear to the piano. Yeah. Oh, I don't yeah. know how true that is, but I've, I've heard yeah. that in a couple of sources. He probably wasn't 100% deaf. Well, they, what, you know, um, the definition is different. He, no, well, by the end. So by, by the, the end, end, he probably was. Yeah. He, when he was, I think the, the, I don't know how true this is, but I have, have definitely heard that by the end he, he was conducting his ninth symphony um, and the piece came to an end, like the performers are done. Oh, and he, he's still just conducting. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. He just, yeah, because he couldn't hear that it was done. But I've read <laughs> some things about. I meant in the beginning when he first started doing this, he probably oh, wasn't one hundred percent deaf, and he, no, you no, have no. to his have some kind of hearing. Well, I yes. think I think with him there have been some rumors. Granted, I've I've heard different sources on this. It's not gospel here, but. Beethoven, they think he got deaf because he was hit a lot in the ear as a child by his dad. Yes. Yeah. Or I've heard sources saying that he also had a little bit of otosclerosis. Well, he, he had some kind of fever, too, is what I heard. Uh, yeah, but... I remember reading that in one of the books that I... As, as crazy as I am, I actually am quite learned. I just <laughs> pretend to not be. Because it's, you know, I don't want to... I, I, long story. But anyway, I, I heard he had, like, rheumatoid or fever or something. I don't know, whatever. Oh, yes, right. He got yes. sick. He got yeah. really sick. And that's when his hearing just disappeared. But think about it, though. Someone who's like, or a lot of with music, at least when I would play, it's it's hearing it, it's feeling it, it's mm -hmm. knowing what mm -hmm. the story's about, and then you can't hear it, and you're having to guess here at what pitch you're at. That's got to be frustrating. So mm -hmm. they say towards the end of his life that he was just kind of a crotchety old man. Yeah. Which I don't blame him. Start drinking. You'll be fine. He, <gasps> his, his passion and his life. a very pious man. It's taken away from him. That's, that's why he was crouchety. <laughs> you know? He couldn't even have a drink. He's probably pissed. Well, Mozart's like, hell no, man. Let's party. Right. <laughs> I got right. some well, opium and a bunch of chicks. Let's go. <laughs> with Beethoven, though, it's like, I can't hear. And what am I going to do in life? This is all I know. You know, fuck you all. I mean, he's, right. he's a very angry man.
Well, I mean, you know, we lost Chris Cornell not too long ago. And uh, well, I think one of the our one of our best contemporary vocalists in rock music uh, in the last twenty years, one of the best. And sometimes creative people they just can't hack it, and you know he committed suicide just like a bunch of them mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. And you know it's it's being an artist sometimes means being overly sensitive. To mm-hmm. certain things, to emotions, this could be, and and the, but that's where the the passion comes from, is being overly sensitive to certain things. So, what is the hardest thing for you as an opera singer? Ooh, um, for me, it's trying to fit into a box that I don't fit in. Um, so I, you were we. As crazy as it is, um, we talked about the Fox, yeah. <laughs> the voice types earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. have a very strange quality to my voice where the Fox that I was singing in, there were qualities in my voice that were confusing to people. They were like, no, 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 no. You should be singing this rep over here. And so I would try to go sing that rep. And then they would hear the qualities in my voice that matched the qualities of the rep that I was singing earlier. They were like, no, 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 no. You should be singing this rep over here. And nobody could ever quite figure out where I was quote unquote supposed to be. Oh, Um, I just didn't fit in any opera boxes. I'm a stage animal. I love to move. Uh, I love to use the theater space and interact with people. And a lot of times in opera, they just wanted you to stand still and sing which we affectionately call park and bark. And I think it's ridiculous and I hate it. Now, dramatically, <laughs> there are some arias that call for that. And I totally understand that, that. Those large, arias, I was happy. Large older that lady with. that belts out. I've seen her when I was a kid. Um, you know, Pavarotti, obviously, but there, he had his contemporary, he had his female contemporary. She was just really, really on, period. And that's all she did. She just stood there and sang. I think mm-hmm. it's more interesting where you get into it and uh, express I've it. never been to an opera in my life. I, I have no idea what either one of you are talking about. It's almost <sighs> like they're, they're, the emotions of what they're saying in a different language is coming through by the mannerisms mm-hmm. in their body and what the, mm-hmm. how they're holding themselves. It's beautiful. When mm-hmm. I watched it, I was like, whoa. And I always wanted to go see another one, but it's for us, it's a little challenging because, well, uh, what, Tulsa, Little Rock, that's our only options, Kansas <laughs> if, City? They don't, maybe Kansas City, now Dallas. Kansas City. Dallas. Okay. Hold on. I did my master's at KU in Lawrence, and Kansas City Opera is legit. Really? Like okay. that's, right. That is a good opera house, and they hire good singers. Good, good, good. What about Dallas? Yeah. Is there anything in Dallas? I don't ever. Yeah, is yeah. There? There's a there's an opera house in Dallas. I don't know much about. Oh no, there's Houston, Houston, Houston. Grand Opera. That makes sense. Or, Houston Grand Opera. Yeah. Is there one in Austin? Uh, probably. Um, Houston Grand is the one that I'm super familiar okay. with, though. Okay. So Most I'm just major those, cities will have one. Those are. Cl- I don't think Little Rock has anything worth going to. It's like here. I always wanted to see Phantom. Now, Phantom of the Opera is a musical and not an opera. It's not even, I once had a director tell me that it was an operetta. It is not even that. Right. It is a musical sung operatically. Oh. And it has very, it has relatively few spoken lines. It's not like Les Mis. Les Mis is almost completely through, sung throughout. And so Les Mis is probably the closest musical theater piece that is, 
or sorry, the musical theater piece that is closest to being a true opera. Really? Because that is also sung very classically. Um, but Phantom of the Opera is a musical about opera right. singers and about yeah. an opera house. And that's why there's a lot of confusion totally justified um, because you have... Now, most often, they will hire opera singers to sing Carlotta. And they will hire opera singers who can dip into musical theater to sing Christine as well because ah. you need that technique to be able to sing those roles. Same with Phantom, same with Raul. Those are very demanding roles. Yeah. And I, that's why so many people get so confused because the classical technique has to be present. You I know, guess, I, I, I guess I, I recognize that. I mean, I never, she, she brought it up. I never had thought about it, but I do notice that I never felt like Phantom or, or those, those particular pieces were opera. Well, I, I felt they were more stage plays. But for t- I got confused just by the, the how Christine, who plays that role. I mean, mm-hmm. she she sings that, and it. Mm-hmm. But it, it does make sense, though. I mean, it is more theatrical, probably, than the regular. Yes, opera. See, Greece is not an opera. No, no. <laughs> now, Les Mis is something I've always wanted to see too. But that uh, would be Les weird. Mis is fantastic. Les Mis is fantastic. That would be very interesting to see a contemporary opera in English. That they exist. Uh, if you go see, so Benjamin Britten, he's an English composer. Um, he wrote a lot of operas, um, but there's also more modern operas being written now as well. Jake Heggie is a really good opera uh, composer to to kind of follow. See if you can find any of his shows. He did an opera um, on Moby Dick, believe it or not. Really? And it's actually quite good. San Diego Opera did a premiere and um, it was amazing. If I hadn't been working so hard to not throw up because I was dealing with food poisoning, I Wish I could have seen the whole thing. Lay off the oysters. Um, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, what else is in English? There's a lot of British. Uh, oh, uh, if you want to laugh for really funny operetta is Gilbert and Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Very satirical. It's hysterical. Hmm. Um, I didn't know that they were considered opera. English. It's operetta. Okay. But a lot of times you just hire, you just hire opera singers to kind of do, it's like their day off. So explain, <laughs> <laughs> explain operetta. Yeah, I also got So operetta is like opera light. Operetta often has spoken word, um, more spoken word, and just like a couple arias and a couple like strong numbers. It's a it's like a high not hybrid. It's like in between musical theater and opera. So you still sing it very classically, um, but it doesn't. It often doesn't have as big of an orchestra. Um, operetta also doesn't tend to. Hmm, what else are the differences? The spoken word is the big one, but here's the catch. There are some operas that have spoken word as well. So Magic Flute and Carmen are the big ones. Those are those are full-fledged operas, but they have spoken word. So there is there is some gray in between and it can get kind of confusing to yeah. to distinguish between now, them all. I have I have a question. Yeah. If what would you have you ever given a, any consideration to and if so, um, what is the um, biggest hurdle and the one thing you think would work to bring opera into more of a modern era with people listening Ooh. to what they're listening to? Yeah, this is a good, this is a question that I think all opera, you know, producers and directors are tackling right now um, is to this kind of the struggle to keep opera relevant um, but I actually even hate putting it that way because uh, the, the stories that are present in opera are relevant and always will be because they're human stories. Yeah. 
Um, the, I think a lot of people, the two main barriers tend to be the language language barrier. People don't like to read subtitles mm, or super true. titles. Um, and then yeah, I could just the, get the book. style, the style of singing. Um, people are not used to hearing the operatic style anymore. It's kind of weird. So how do we bridge that gap? It's a good question. I think we, it just requires more immersion. I think taking music out of schools, which is, you know, is another hot button issue that didn't yeah. help. It certainly didn't help. Um, so bringing music back into schools, exposing kids, immersing, immersing kids into opera from the beginning so that it's not such a foreign thing. It's not something that yeah. weird old Europe does over there. Well, that we do our thing over here. It triggers like, no. the, it triggers the humiliation <clears throat> in the, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. It triggers that in the, in the human psyche. And because it's so foreign and that these people and most people try to be empathetic with whatever they're doing when they're who, when they're watching something, because mm-hmm. we've, we're highly trained as Americans to be empathetic towards whatever's on the screen or in front of us, mm-hmm. because that's how our storytelling works. Mm-hmm. We have to be empathetic or no one cares. And, <laughs> and men tend to not be as empathetic as women. And that's why you see the Hallmark channel crap. That you absolutely hate, Andrea. I'm sorry, but the Hallmark Channel stuff around this time of year, I swear every single woman in the Mar- in whole entire world meets their man in a tree farm. Tree farm. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, this is not how this goes. Well, I mean, you know, but and so we're we're trained to to you know, women have they have more empathy than men. On as in general, we're talking just overall, yeah, not individually, and because there's always going to be outliers, the drastic outliers and just minor outliers, mm-hmm. and that's why men want to watch MMA because mm-hmm. to a man to watch the MMA, they can actually empathize, but they empathize in a different way. Yes, yeah, and they like to watch this guy kick the other guy's ass because yeah, yeah. he's the other over he's the the best guy he's the Mike Tyson or he's the underdog and we want to see him win and uh, the empathy's just a little bit different of what they're because you know we're just we're all the same but we're all different mm-hmm. there's not one person is the same as the next person that's true and uh it that's amplified a lot of times but not in every case but in general by uh, our uh, not our gender, but our what do they call it? I mean, it's they, they've they blurred it because gender used to mean something more static, now it's uh, out there. So, I'm trying to say it's uh, your empathy and how you deal with things is l- driven a lot by your who physical you, sex, who you are as a person, your physical sex, yeah. And you can defeat all that, and you can change yourself, and you cannot have that problem, and you could be different. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just, I'm just saying it, you know, but for the most part, you know, 60 to 70% of, is it going to be this way? And men just see there it differently. There are always generalities for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And and you have to start somewhere. I mean, we, we're, yes. I, I, we're not here to debate the politics of that BS um, <laughs> for good or for worse. What we're here to talk about is opera and, 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 and things like that. So it, I think, it, it it's going to be tough to get the kids to listen to something that in their mind is already set up as archaic. 
I think so. That's on us, right? Is yeah. to set it up as something other than archaic. Yeah, because I think yeah. I was kind well, of. Well, that's that's not. I'm not. I'm not throwing. I'm not throwing out insults. I want you to know that. Oh, for sure. Um, I, you know, I Andrea and I deal in honesty, and <laughs> you know, this is. I, I'm very reductive. Andrea is not quite as reductive as I am, and but, golly, I just, I just didn't want you to think I was. I was a f- being offensive. I was just being reductive. Sometimes reductive. He's can being be deep. He's being I'm trying to not piss anybody off at the same time. So yeah. I guess <laughs> for me, I was blessed enough to have a father that was open to music and open to things like that. So I think it kind of helped, but not everybody's like that. And I've been trying to get my kids mm. into music, but it's, it's not in them. I mean, I, my youngest plays a clarinet, but my t- other three mm-hmm. are not really interested in music. My yeah. dad liked Johnny Paycheck. So, oh, I mean, I, like I wasn't exposed to anything any good. You heard that song today. Mm-hmm. Colorado Kool-Aid. Oh, Mexican ju- His Mexican friend jumped up and cut the dude's ear off. Says next time you go want to spit in a dude's ear, spit in your own ear. And back wow. to yeah, you could tell the song was very dated. But yeah. I, got, I got a question for you that I've always been curious for. It's not that, uh, not 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 an art thing at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, for the time that you find out you have a role, to the time you actually do the first, I guess, performance, live performance, how much time takes? Is it like, okay, you get hired in January, then we're going to perform this opera in like, I don't know, November or whatever. Is it take like a long period of time to get everybody trained and practiced and prepared? Or do they like whip these kind of things up in like, I don't know, six months? I'm just curious. Um, well, that is, it depends. Okay. It depends on the company. It depends on the level of singers that they are hiring. Um, so at the level of the Met um, and the, you know, the worldwide famous opera singers, um, they already know their roles very often. Oh, They're wow. just going from house to house, singing roles that are in their repertoire. Um, when they are learning a new role, um, I don't have firsthand experience with that. Obviously I'm not singing at the Met. Um, but, uh, Sometimes with at their level, they they'll have like a couple of years to prepare, um, depending on. Wow, um, they got to get paid in the meantime. Much, oh well, I mean they're working in the meantime. They're they're doing roles that they already know. While they're doing roles that they already know, they're learning the new role that they're going to be performing in a year or two. Oh, wow. um, especially if that involves um, a fach change. Um, so often, even after you're thirty five. Um, often your voice will still shift in the next 10 years. Um, it might get a little heavier. It might get a little darker. And so older singers can move into different um, roles and different uh, voice types. And so that's more, quote unquote, acceptable for the older singers. Um, and they just kind of get to do that. Um, when you're younger, so like me, I would be looking at like the lyric soprano roles or the lyric coloratura roles. Um, and I learned a, um, a handful of those. And so basically, you know, if I'm looking at a, an audition, um, it'll be within the year. Usually you, you audition about a year in advance Wow! and you have, you know, the year to brush the roll up if you already know it, or you have the year to learn it if you don't know it. Yeah, it's because um, of the and investors then your that's rehearsal, involved. 
Your rehearsal process, however, is only about three months. Oh. If that, and that's for singers at uh, like the, the quote unquote lower levels um, at the higher level. If you're singing at, if you're singing a principal role at a place like San Diego opera or like lyric opera of Kansas city, um, the rehearsal process is maybe a month. Wow. Yeah. So you mean defined role? Is it like, is like you're going to play, I don't know, Christine and Phantom or you're going to pay. Right. Okay, okay. Right. That's- yeah. Christine or Carlotta or the Phantom or Raul. Okay. Um, so for, if you're looking at a Mozart opera, like Mad Marriage of Figaro, well, there's yeah. Figaro and then there's his, his bride to be Susanna. And then there's the count. And then there's the countess. Those are all four different roles that you hire four different singers for. Um, most of those singers, um, at a certain point, at a certain age that they've all done it before Oh, because okay. there, there's only so much repertoire anyway. Um, so at a certain point, you've kind of, quote unquote, done it all. Yeah, they're not writing um, 10,000 new pieces a year. Well, what about so. yeah. the newer opera, uh, operas that maybe aren't necessarily like Yeah, so, so then you would still get hired, you know, basically at least a year in advance. and You'd have a year. And, and you know, there's a, there's a, there's a business involved in it too. So they got to pay for it somehow. <laughs> well, you don't get paid for the time that right. you're, you're spending learning it for sure. But you the, only get paid for the rehearsal time. Yeah. The, the uh, producers of the program aren't going to let somebody walk in off the street Ooh. without knowing that they've got it down. Because then they'll lose all their seed money. They'll get their opening night ticket. They don't even get their opening night tickets. They they actually do these things before they actually open. And the word gets out if it sucks. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So, oh man, that's just, that is crazy. So have you ever gotten a role that you've absolutely hated? You don't have she, to say. She can't say to that. She's she can't it. say the actual role, but she could say, "Yeah, I really." Struggled. You can talk about ones in college that you hate. Well, I'm trying to think. Actually, <laughs> like I remember getting roles that I was mad that I didn't get a different role. Ah, okay. Um, well, but typical. because it is yeah. my job as an actor to sink into my character's head and just kind of become that character, ultimately, I don't think so. I don't think there were any roles that I actively hated just because it is my job to figure yeah. out to not, unless the character is dealing with self-loathing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's a different question, right? So no, I, I don't think there were any roles that I like, I was just mad to be a not for opera um, for in when I was in high school. Yes. You didn't want to be the, <laughs> see, I was always just a tree and I was mad because I was a tree. I mean, when I was when I was doing community theater and the little small town that I grew up in, like I got cast as Doc in West Side Story. I was actively angry about that. Um, I got cast as Auntie M in um, what's it called? Uh, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. But in, in the musical theater version, Auntie M is also supposed to be playing Glinda. So they cast me as Auntie M, but then wouldn't let me be Glinda. They cast somebody else as Glinda. That's I was weird. I was mad. I was mad about yeah. that. Instead, I got to be a flying monkey, and that was one of the worst costumes yeah. that I have ever, they, ever, they were ever worn. They were bad <laughs> in the movie, if much, and that it was, was good. awful. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was awful. So, when you get your role, do you like go sit down and research it, and you mm-hmm. know, and that kind of stuff, and um, 
talk to the producers and things like that on like how they want this particular person to come across on stage? Mm, uh, that tends to start uh, during the rehearsal yeah. process. Rehearsal process. Okay. Yeah. So you, there's the, the, you get hired for the role and then you have that time to prepare. It might be nine to six, six to nine months. Um, and then you have like three months ish again, the, the, at my level, it's about three months of, um, little, little extra time, time. a little extra time. Yeah. Because we're not quite as dialed in, um, maybe two months. Um, but, uh, there's probably, that's when you start working with the director and the production and figuring out, Oh, what's their vision. Yes. You do your blocking. Um, what's their interpretation of this character. But when you get to the higher levels, a lot of times, um, singers get known for their particular portrayals of specific characters. So like the opera that I'm thinking of right now, it's called daughter of the regiment. Um, and there's a bunch of different sopranos that sing the primary protagonist there. Um, and they all have like kind of their own flavors, their own way of doing that. And they get hired kind of because that company wants their version yeah. of that role. They get kind so of typecast a little. A little bit. Oh, yeah. But the opera is kind of all about typecasting, at yeah. least specifically for voices. Um, physicality, not as much. It's right. not quite as important to uh, I don't, not, not necessarily look the part, but like. Like, um, I, you know, I've played a five-year-old girl. Yeah. I've sung Gretel, like ah. Hansel and Gretel. There's an opera mm. called Hansel and Gretel, and I have done Gretel. And I'm like, I'm 32, yeah. and I was playing a five-year-old girl. <laughs> like, that's what you do in opera. Like, there's a lot of soprano roles are like 14 to 16-year-olds. Wow. It's like, there are 40, 50-year-old women playing 14 to 16-year-olds. Yeah. So it's just kind of how it goes. Is there like, like a- Romeo and Juliet? Like, Yeah, they're supposed to be 14. Is there like an age where everyone's like, ah, we love, we love you and all, but you're kind of a little too old to be playing parts. Um, for opera, that's a good question. It's kind of difficult. It's kind of hard to say. Cause I'm thinking in your eighties, are you really going to want to go through all the rigorness if you love in it? In your eighties, you're probably retired by eighties, but like, um, I want to say like Renee Fleming, I think, I don't know how old Renee Fleming is, but she's been working for forever. She's uh, probably in her sixties and she, nobody's going to tell her no. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> she is an amazing American soprano, like just probably our, one of our best LA opera. Um, Yes, she's coming to L.A. Opera. Yes. So is a recital ever? She's not that old. Ever been an incident where someone really wants to be an opera singer, but they really just can't sing at all? Um, because because I'm I'm thinking about that. She's 63. Oh, okay. So she's not she's not quite as old as I thought, but she's in her 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it depends on. Like we could, you were talking earlier about getting deep into that. Like we could get deeper into that question. How badly do you want to be an opera singer is my question. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be an opera singer that badly and you're willing to put in the work, you can absolutely make it happen. Now, will, does that mean you will be singing opera on the Met? Maybe not. You might only ever be singing opera in the, the the lower houses, like a D house or community yeah. houses or whatever local there's, but there's you're probably not going to make that. a living at it. Valid. Yeah. But if you're willing to put in the work, yes, you can be an opera singer. Well, it depends you might have too. to put in a ton of extra work. Yeah. 
Well, it depends too. I mean, there's always somebody out there. I tell this to everybody. There's always somebody bigger, faster, stronger, richer, prettier. Yeah. There's always somebody, no matter oh, yeah. what part of your game you're at. Chris Hemsworth, right? There's there's going to be somebody eventually. I don't know anything about Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty, he's at the top yeah, right now. But then, you, but then you get, you know, and then you've got, what's his name from the office? The, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. He's kind of kind of broke his cred a little bit doing some kind of a B-list movies. Yeah. But for um, there for a moment, I, he was better than Hemsworth. For a moment when he was doing Guardians. Because he lost all that weight and everybody's like, oh my God. Right? Yeah. And then, but Hemsworth is, you know, him and his brother, they, they yeah. you can't compete with two guys that can constantly go off each other and 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 keep their craft going but there's always going to be somebody bigger fatter and fa- faster and you never know where they're going to come from yeah you know so they could be somebody out there if they've got the determination and they got enough natural talent they could just pop and be there tomorrow well there's some people though i've encountered that i they can't sing at all <laughs> i'm not going to tell them that because they're super excited to sing but i'm just kind of like do I know this person? I don't know anybody like no, that. No, I'm just thinking. <sighs> I had one incident of one girl in high school that she wanted to be do this theater class. Oh, I see. And she really, really, really couldn't sing. And but I her mom told her she could. She's absolutely wonderful. And listen yeah. to your grandma. She knows. You know, I've run into that I, with actors. And I yeah. didn't say anything. So I'm like, I can't sing either. I'm I like, tell them, get it to practice more. And she, yeah, she wanted to do it, and she did it, and she got ridiculed granted this is high school i mean you know we're all not very nice in high school but you know right it always made me think like wow there's a thing is natural talent and what you can do based upon your abilities and your voice and your ability to read music and then there's just like you really shouldn't be trying this because but you know, there's never a you really shouldn't be trying it yes i i would agree with that yeah. i think everything can be learned yes, yes. there is natural talent but singing, you know, might, might get on my my singing teacher soapbox yeah. there for a little bit. But singing is a skill set. And so if you are somebody who tells yourself you cannot sing, find yourself a teacher who has broken down the singing skill sets enough into simple enough pieces where they can diagnose where you're going wrong. Like if you're not matching pitch. Yeah. OK, that's when most people tell you you can't sing is when you're not matching pitch. Um, most people, however, in my classes, in my experience, most people, even that come to me, they tell me they can't sing. They match pitch just fine. They're just comparing their voices to the, like, it's, it's like comparing like for gals, it's like comparing your body to the freaking Victoria's secret models yeah. that are on the, yeah, yeah, on yeah. the cover. Like you're, what you were listening to on the radio is not a raw yeah. Um, live voice. It's it's edited. It's auto-tuned. Yep. It is the perfect, it is the perfect um amalgam. I don't know if that's the right yeah. word, but it's it's a bunch of different takes. There's a guy like me. The there's a guy like me sitting at the at the board fixing the mistakes. Every little mistake. Yeah. And so that's what people mean when they say they can't sing often when they come to me. Uh, as they they open their mouth, they, it just sounds <clears throat> wrong. Mariah Carey like, live there's nothing wrong. Can be terrible. Right. Right. <laughs> now, I got a question. Um, I've always wanted to know this. Uh-oh. So maybe you guys can Uh-oh. answer this for me. I've had throat surgery before. 
Okay. I'm fixing oh, to yeah. go in to have my throat surgery done, and I'm in there with the ENT doctor because I have a spot on my tonsils and uvula, and they got to take all that stuff out. Okay. And he goes, are you a singer? And I'm like, no, I'm not a singer, not unless you talk about singing in temple. And he goes, no, I'm talking about professional singer, or you know, like you love to sing. And I'm like, no. He goes, okay, well, then we're good. And I'm thinking, I never asked him. I mean, do um, you, if you had that taken out that you could never really sing really well again. But that was like one of the big questions that I even had to fill out on a questionnaire. And I've never really got a chance to ask a doctor so, why that makes a difference. But so with throat surgery, there's a higher risk uh, of things happening. I've definitely heard, you know, of singers who have to go in for throat surgery and the doctor nicks a nerve. Yeah. And paralyzes of one one half of the like side of their vocal cords. And and they can like, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, I think everyone can sing, but like literally your vocal cords are not functioning properly. So they can't even speak properly anymore, let alone sing professionally the way they did before the accident. Right. So with throat surgery, there is always the risk. Um, I think maybe even without that sort of thing happen, like nicking a nerve, um, it, it can change the quality of your voice hmm. and your singing. Yeah. Um, so that will be something that a, sing- a professional singer absolutely has to be aware of and needs to be planning for, especially if they're managed or if they have agents yeah. who are trying to get them work ahead of time. You need that time off. You need to know how much time you need off. And then you need to know how much time you need recovery wise. And then you need to a hire a teacher and a coach to figure out, okay, what am I, am I still good to sing the roles, at least from an opera perspective? Am I still good to sing the roles that I, you know, have been singing in the past or do I need to shift? Mm. Um, has my, has, has the, because part of what makes every opera voice, every voice unique is, is your physiology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if they get in there and they start messing with your physiology, it's going to change your voice. But that doesn't mean you can't sing. Well, it's I, just changing the quality of your voice. Because I never really, at the time, wasn't really thinking about it until we started like having this little conversation today. And I'm like, I remember that thing. At the time, it was like, yeah. oh, whatever. I don't really care. But, yeah. you know, I need yeah. the surgery. Just remove the cancer, you know, or whatever. But Right, right. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, it's sense. certainly higher risk for, for, for singers. Like, but that's it's, a high but risk. During the procedure, I think, is what... Because if he could, you know, I think once you're out of the procedure and everything's fine... I don't think there's anything. I don't see how it could. Well, I was just curious. I mean, affect you learning how to sing anew. It was like, I don't know, gosh, 10 years ago that I had this done six years ago. Maybe it's been a long, long, at least 10 years. Well, Emily sounds a lot like you sometimes. So I mean, sometimes I think she's talking you're talking. Oh, that's my daughter. (laughs) Yeah. So it didn't really affect your voice very much at all because I I hear your voice in her voice, which means that it wasn't obstructed. All I know is, is that was a very painful surgery. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. Uh, very painful. So my scream. Yeah. I I couldn't swallow for three weeks. I could, but it felt like swallowing Oof. razor blades. So it, yep. It was a heck of a diet then, wasn't it? I didn't want to eat anything. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I'm teasing. I did lose a bunch of weight though, but gained it all back once I could eat. Yeah, you're making up for lost time. <laughs> I got so tired of looking at Jello and yeah. juice. And I just wanted, I remember one time thinking, I, how can I put this pizza in a blender? I mean, I was going to figure oh, it out. Gosh. I was so hungry. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I could take everything off the bread and just blend it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I, I'm a firm believer that it's practice, 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 practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you do not have talent, you can out-practice the virtuosos. If yeah. they're lazy... 
Like I have a friend, shall rename, remain nameless, genius. This kid was a genius, brilliant pianist, singer, could do anything he put his mind to, but just didn't practice. Like yeah. I just, he just didn't. And he ha- then also got a lot in his head about like, you know, uh, the, the, the music that he wanted to sing and then would freak out when it didn't look like his voice was going in that direction and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but, and then, so he just, he, but yes, the singers that practice are the ones that are working. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And, and just because you have a beautiful voice and you are able to do it, if you don't work at it, it's, it's always about how much work you put into it. Yes. If you don't, you can have all the talent in the world and at playing football. They, a Mustang from Springdale, he was one of the country's biggest, uh, baddest quarterbacks for high school football. And he was going to be the guy. Now, they were talking about this at work. It's the only reason I'm thinking about this. Cause, and, and, it, and it helps to, to talk about something other than singing. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's singing or cooking or driving, mm-hmm. right? Um, he kind of quit, and he mm-hmm. got a, he got a big head about it because they were they were, they beat everyone for two years. They never lost a game, and they were beating people. They had the they implemented the mercy rule because of that team. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, they were beating them eighty and ninety to zero <laughs> in football. It's like give the other team a chance. Yeah. Well, there's you don't give them a chance. Football. Yeah, it's football. I don't know, but I'm kind of like, man, that's just like. No, but me, yeah, so but he quit. He, he's kind of now he's selling cars. He should have played for the Razorbacks. Yeah, he didn't want to, or he wasn't recruited by Malzahn, but it didn't matter. Um, but he he just kind of he just kind of let it go, and now literally he's selling cars. Wow, he's a car salesman. But he probably could have been Brett Favre if he would have kept kept his nose to the grindstone. Yep. Mm-hmm. He had the talent. Doesn't matter how good you are, you always want to be improving. Yeah. And the singers who have that mindset, really any athlete, singer, performer, any person. Writer. In any writer, any person in any field, as long as they have the mindset of doesn't matter where I am, I'm going to work to improve. Exactly. They're, they're going to. Unless something terrible happens. Like, well, also, you know, there are other factors, but they're more they're often than not, they're normal. the ones yeah. that will be working in the industry. Well, it's like you, you kept, you got your, what was your first nursing? It was an associate's. And then you went to? I got a bachelor's. And then you went to? Got a master's. Right. You just kept working. Yeah. I kept going. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Same thing. You're not, you're not the, you know, you're not uh, the number one nurse in the world, right? No. Because you don't want to be one. You know, it's not well, really. Well, it's not really like, you know, that have a I, I know. list, but, I, you know. But what I'm saying is, you know, so you have a talent for nursing? I don't know. I think you have a talent for a lot of things. Uh, nursing in the current field you're in now is, eh, it's not really nursing. It, it is, well, but it's not. I did bedside for 13 years yeah. and got sick. So yeah. I had to step away and do another form Oof. of nursing. So, yeah. yeah. But you're not practicing being a bedside nurse, but you're still the top of your game in Northwest Arkansas for being in your position that you're in as a nurse. Yeah. Because you kept on doing it. And it's the same thing for voice. It's the same thing for driving a car. It's the same thing for everything. Practice, practice. If you stop, you're going to, yeah. you're going to suck. 
That's true. So any last minute thoughts or anything that you might want to give our listeners as far as um, music or encouraging children in music or anything that you would like to just kind of tie this up i learned a little bit about oh gosh i learned i learned a lot about opera so and i like opera i want to see another one it's really it's a cool experience i haven't even seen i've seen one stage play in my life i actually i really am curious do you remember what that opera was about uh it's about a couple that's all i remember about like a uh, it's a hallmark Opera. I can't. All I remember is not, it's not a Hallmark one. Oh my yeah, god! A couple doesn't narrow it down. There's a couple. No, I just remember it was an Italian, and it was like she was married to somebody, and she really was in love with somebody else, and it's like she was very torn, and that's really all I remember. This guy's got yeah. money, and I really yeah. don't want to leave. But that yeah, guy over there, no. he's good in a sec. And it's like I can't make up my mind. Wait, that was on the. the yeah, that, that was on our down, small town murder today. <laughs> yeah. We were listening um, to small town murder, and that's exactly why somebody got killed. Exactly. So don't do that. <laughs> I guess maybe like in closing, you know, opera isn't going to be everybody's thing, but give it a chance. Like I remember I studied opera. I was singing opera for two years, like seriously doing, you know, my part-time job 30 hours a week for two years before I found a role and an opera that I absolutely fell head over heels in love with. Um, And that after that, there was no stopping me. I just started just devouring the art form because I finally found the one opera that felt like spoke to me. So I guess my encouragement would be just put yourself out there. Go, go, go look at operas, go watch them. See, see now you're not going to like all of them. You might not like any of them, but you might find the one that you're like, Oh my God, this is my story. And at the very least, yes. And at the very least, you're going to be, you're going to be more cultured and rounded because of it, because there's other things besides, you know, Rapping about my testicles, basically. Is what yeah. Well, and on. also the other thing That's that you can, you can, um, <laughs> the, the other context, I guess, if this helps, you know, you don't have to watch opera to make yourself like it, but you know, everybody likes watching the Olympics, right? Uh, like the, the, gym, the gymnastics, uh, right? No. Oh, not everybody. But okay. So that was something, <laughs> you know, well, the, like you said, with football, right? We like yeah. watching people push themselves to the limit. What is the limit? If you go sit down and watch an opera with the perspective that like, this is like the Olympics of singing. Yeah, that's as very this as far as it can go. Yeah. This is the pinnacle of vocal technique. These yeah. guys know the voice so well. And this, like they're pushing themselves to the limit kind of every night yeah. for their audiences. Yeah. And it's this it's it's amazing. That is that is definitely yeah, it, that's that true. Definitely. So is, if you're curious about what the human voice is capable of, yeah, go watch an opera. Yeah. What do you think would be like a good maybe starter first opera? opera? Yeah, Mozart. Go Mozart. watch Marriage of Figaro or Don Giovanni. Um, what else could be a really good first opera? Um, Janiskiki is a great one because it's it's hysterical. Johnny Skiki. Johnny, Johnny Skiki. Yeah. So it's G I A N N I. Johnny, and then Skiki. S C H I C C H I. It sounds Italian. <laughs> it's very Italian. Okay. Yes. It's written by Puccini. Um, so I would definitely, yeah. Marriage of Figaro, 
Um, Don Giovanni, Gianni Schicchi. Oh, Carmen. Carmen is a great one. Great French opera. Um, and then I feel like there's one more. Is there that- any good translated ones where they turn it in? I know it's sacrilege to do so, but where they did it in English. Do you want my, I, I would never, I can't stand, I can't stand listening to operas that were originally done in a different language. It's the English is so clunky. If yeah, you want to exactly. watch an opera in English, go find some Gilbert and Sullivan. You'll laugh because very often uh, productions of Gilbert and Sullivan will uh, they'll update the references because it's supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, t- current satire. OK. Right. Mm. So a lot of times they'll update the scripts and make sure that they're referencing whatever political satire is going on uh, for the day. Um, and. Yeah, if you want to watch an opera in English, find an in, a written uh, uh, an opera that was written in English. Makes would sense. be my recommendation. What's the wor- best of the worst ones that have been translated into English? The best of the oh, I don't even, I don't even know if I could con- the best of the absolute worst. The one the one that's almost tolerable enough to not throw your TV across the room. I think he's <laughs> asking for himself. <laughs> uh oh. I don't know. I, I, um, I would try maybe a German opera. That's the, that's the best I can narrow it down because German translates a little better to English because the languages are just a little closer. I can read German. I can't listen to Mm -hmm. German and understand what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. But because it's all conjunctive, it's all conjunctive language. You can, if you can see it, you can break it down and go, oh, that's what that means. Maybe tonight that's what we should do is watch The Marriage of Figaro. I I will watch The Marriage of Figaro as long as I can watch The Marriage of Figaro completely blitzed. Here's the other thing. (laughs) A lot of times, (laughs) even if you're watching an opera in English, they'll still have super titles or subtitles because the singing of the opera, the technique that we have to sing with, it's so difficult. We work so hard on our diction, but it is still almost impossible to tell what people are saying. And so companies will still have super titles. So even if you're watching an opera in English, a lot of times you're still going to need super titles <laughs> to understand what's going on. Makes sense. I mean, the pitch. Just because of the technique. Yeah. The technique. Yeah. Yeah. You got to get used to it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then well, it's like listening to, to it. death yeah. metal. You have to get used to it or all you hear yeah. is, oh, yes. like, I don't know what the hell are they talking about? Yes. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy. That is yeah. a good analogy. <laughs> no idea what he just said. Unless you're oh. listening to Chris Cornell, then you can't understand anything that man says, but that's I, his, I that's one. his technique. I, I thought of one. Oh, uh, there we best go. Best of the worst. It is an operetta, but it is a, it's, it's, it's operatically sung. It's, it's called, uh, oh my gosh. I don't, I don't think there's an English translation. It's just called Deflator Mouse. Huh, the little mouse? De- Deflator Mouse. I think it's like the rat. No, not the bat. It's about a bat. Deflator Mouse. That, that, that makes sense. Deflator. A flying rat. Yeah. A flying yeah. mouse. Yeah. Rat. Yeah. yeah. So that you, if you find an English translation of Deflator Mouse, Deflator that Mouse. one probably, and it's again, it's a very funny opera. Very funny. German is so weird. Yes. <laughs> Good God. German's so weird. And, and English is German and Italian thrown together. And then we just make up a bunch of our own words. <laughs> 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 That's really what it is. Mm. <laughs> 
Probably so. I mean, I can ask Alex. He's the one that knows where all the languages come from. That's my son. Ooh, he etymology. Like, I he love loves that. Yeah. To study where languages came from yes. and what culture. We were they talking came about Dutch earlier before we started rec- recording. I want to hit that because that's a subject I'm trying to figure out a way to talk about. Dutch history. Like language? Yeah. Well, oh, Dutch history. Just yeah. history. And it's, you, it's like a missing piece of the puzzle for anyone who's doing world history. You get listen mm-hmm. to anything on world history. You get the French. You get a little bit of Napoleon. You get the Tsars in Russia. You get uh, what's is the you, but you get some pieces of um, the, the Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Then you get the English history, and then you get the Chinese history and the Japanese history, and but no one and then the German and then it's uh, Romans and blah 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 but no one ever talks about the Dutch who had some of the most influential uh things that 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 we still use today was from the Dutch that makes me wonder does mm. every culture and country mm-hmm. have their own version of opera was there a Dutch opera maybe we can um so in Europe the art form stayed pretty pretty cohesive. Um, but there is Japanese opera. There is Chinese opera. They use yeah. that word, but it means it's a very different art yeah. form. So well, don't go to J- Japan and expect you know, to get Paganini. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, unless that's what they're advocating. Yeah. Japan actually loves European opera. They love it. Oh, yeah. But if you're going to like a traditional Japanese opera, like the ethnic like Japanese opera, that is not the same as European opera, like at all. And the same with Chinese opera. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Dutch all spoke German. Germany right. is Deutschland, not Germany. Yeah. If you're in Germany and they're going to say Deutschland. Yeah. Because it's Deutsch, Dutch land, Dutch land, which was Norway all the way down to, you know, what we think of Hitler's when he finally annexed before he ran, ran into France. And that was all Deutschland. It was the Dutch. All those people were Dutch. Considered to be, it's like 1599, 1580 to 1690, something like that. You probably have to get into the conversation of the Germanic tribes because it was a while before Germany even unified. Like the German people had a very, um, very strong sense of identity, and that comes out in a lot of their operas once they do start writing operas. Um, But Germany still didn't like unify until kind of later. Well, in the 15, Um, um, you know, right around Martin Luther. Uh, right. That's that's when they all had to unify because they were up against Spain. Spain was in. Remember, I was tell, telling mm-hmm. you the Spain was they were at war with Spain and they were also at war with France and they were also at mm-hmm. war with England. All three at the same time, and everybody was everybody's you know fighting with each other. There's a lot less casualties in those kind of wars, believe it or not. The you know, American World War Two, half a million Americans died. Yeah. In that war. But maybe fifty thousand people died in those wars. The Thirty Year War, yeah, with the uh, with the Dutch. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the reason why most a lot of operas are in German is because of the Dutch. That was the language that you had to speak if you were going to do commerce in the world. Mm. And it's it's interesting. It's it's we forget that. So does the mm. German operas? Do they have a lot of operas based upon like cultural type of? Situations or things that happen. Maybe they have one that talks about the stuff with the Dutch. I mean, I don't know. They might. Um, the Germans, if I recall my studies correctly, <laughs> uh, 
I'm a history nerd. Don't the, the German yeah. operas. Well, I mean, you get into Wagner. He's much later, much later. German operas. He was doing stuff on like the Norse mythology. And then he did like Tristan and he sold. And then um, like he did a Ragnarok, literally and yeah. the ring, the ring cycle. And it just it's a very long. Like you, you want to talk about like watching the extended Lord of the Rings like that's <laughs> that's that's. that's Back to back, that's going to watch Wagner's ring cycle. So there's, it's not um, true that there can be only one because there's obviously two versions that Lord of the Rings. It's <laughs> not really Lord of the Rings. No, it's not the same. It's no, not, that sounds like Highlander right there. No, Wagner, yeah, Wagner is writing the Norse mythology stuff. That's his ring cycle. Um, <laughs> but um, the, the older German opera, it tends to be very. I don't even know if I could articulate this correctly, um, but it tends to be very like it, it, at its core, they tried to present um, the core of the German people, what it meant to yeah. be German. And so they would pick like little fairy tales or, or things to kind of expand on and, and really sink into like, what does it mean to be German? Yeah. Well, what about the, what about Tchaikovsky and people like that? There are, they just classical music folks? They didn't. Really- I mean, Tchaikovsky is a, an amazing, prolific classical composer. He wrote some operas. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, Tchaikovsky, you know, is Russian. He moved to France. Yeah. Um, because Russia and France had that relationship there for a long time. Um, so, a lot of uh, Russian music you will find before you find it in English, you will find it in Russian and in Fran- French. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the languages are too far different. I mean, they're very different. Yeah. yeah. But but because they had that relationship, like, you know, the Russian yeah. uh, aristocracy would go to Paris. Just yeah. The Fabergé folks. You can see the trade. You can see the sharing of the of the art form be- between France and Russia. But I will say uh, singing in Russian is one of my favorite. Like, I, I adore singing in Russian. Really? It's one of my favorite languages to sing in. So I just he, love, I mm, love How come? Is it just because it's easier to pronounce or is oh, it much no. harder? It's much harder. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's about the feel. The feel? I, I'm going to use a word. It's called mouth, like mouth feel. And that's used in a different, uh, bunch <laughs> of different contexts. Like you can talk about the mouth feel of coffee. Like that's not what I'm talking about. Like what, how does my mouth feel when I am forming these words authentically? And I just love the way that it feels. It huh. feels so good yeah um and apparently i was quite good at it because we had a we had a russian gal come in and coach us for a while because our resident coach was on maternity leave and she asked me if i was a native russian speaker oh wow and i was like no and it was hysterical because we had a native russian speaker there and she hated his russian (laughs) <laughs> which i think just speaks to like the different dialects right there's a ton so even of different russian dialects. is gonna have a bunch of dialects um, yeah because you but, can, yeah definitely yeah yeah there's um, something about russian i love that it's, language i it's funny i gotta tell the story so i'm in south arkansas like hamden camden area right in there and there's this kid at this he's probably 17 he's you know you could tell he's got nothing better to do there's not nine thousand people in the county so, you know, he's bored. He's a local. I'm just passing through. He's sitting at the McDonald's ordering. I've, he's ordering all this food in this Russian accent. He's like, can I get the, the, the egg and me muffin? 
you know, and I walked up to him, I walked up to him and I said, Hey, yeah, how's it going? He's like, Yeah, and I said, New Ruski? And he just turned white as a ghost and left. <laughs> He's like, uh he had no idea what I was at. <laughs> He's like, damn it, the gig's up. In the middle of freaking South Arkansas, somebody caught me. <laughs> he was pretending to be Russian. <laughs> Why? <laughs> He's a kid, bored. All right, got nothing better to do. Nupar <laughs> Ruski? No, I know. I don't know, man. I'm just ordering an egg McMuffin. No hablo español. All right. So we've been we've 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 enjoyed talking to you. We've been yeah. talking to you for quite a while, and 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 we're reaching the limit of what we put our guests through when they have to listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, you know, I'm going to be murdered whenever the show is over, just so everyone knows. You're not going to be murdered. What are you talking about? My my dogs keep setting off my motion detector, so in my house, ah. so I have a Simply Safe. So it keeps dinging my phone, and I'm like, what are they doing over there having a small party? I mean, what? Yeah, but I'm just, you're looking at me going, shut up. No. I'm like, I'm like going, my dogs are probably chewing the, you know, my couches at this point, probably, because they're mad. Ooh, fun. <sighs> yeah. It's like they've never been left at home alone before. Well, you, right. don't see the, you don't see the aftermath when I get back. They're <laughs> like mad. Mom's gone. We shall tear up the bed. We shall string everything out. We will chew up stuff. <sighs> you yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love it. So, Anything that you'd like to tell um, someone who, like, for example, Andrea, who thinks that she cannot sing. Oh, Lord. But. He's been on this kick for a while. You can't. I'm like, mm. I, I actually, I'm horse as hell right now, but I'm actually a fairly different, de- decent singer. You are. You sing really well. Yeah. And I've got an act that I've got yeah. pretty much nailed down. And, uh, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a second here. I'm looking for, for I'm going to do a duet. Ooh. See, but I can't get her to do a duet because she doesn't believe she can sing. Mm. Well, I mean, we've touched on these points, I think. Yes. Uh, a little earlier, but I'll just reiterate um, kind of like what you said earlier. It's, it's all practice, right? So if you're, if you think you can't sing, um, maybe, uh, oh, I'm so- sorry. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Um, as a, you know, professional opera singer and someone who teaches people who can't sing, quote unquote, um, I would like to offer that and suggest that maybe you're wrong and maybe be open to discovering that and then also just kind of try it you just give yourself a good honest shot don't go to a, a voice teacher or a class and then sort of try but then not really try because here's the thing if you're telling yourself you can't sing a lot of times it's scary like it's scary to sing in front of people even for professionals we've just gotten used to it Right. Yep. So, but every single time we open our mouth and sing in front of people, we're bearing our souls. So you are experiencing that. That's why it's so difficult to sing for people. It's so also can be so emotionally, um, uh, like it makes people miserable when they think they can't sing and they want to be able to sing. Yeah. If that's where you are, you can't sing, you want to be able to sing, please find yourself a teacher or find an online class Open your mouth and let yourself make noise. Huh. Just let yourself exactly. make noise and don't judge the noise. 
Except I know you're going to, but try not to. <laughs> and even if you do, just remind yourself, okay, okay, I'm telling myself that that sounds awful, but what if you tried to shift your thinking to that just is? That's just what the noise is. Everything that I tell my students when they first come to me is, well, actually, I tell all of my students all of this, no, beginners to advance. And I tell this, this to myself when I'm practicing yep. is just let it be noise. Don't put any pressure on it to be pretty. In fact, be not pretty, sound ugly on purpose. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, oh, well, that won't be hard. But it actually can be, right? It can be difficult to make yourself sound bad on purpose. And then 90% of the time, it is not as bad as people think it is. Yeah. Like I, I listen to them and I'm like, actually, that's the best noise you've made <laughs> yet. She's using noise okay. as how I use stink when I'm talking about something that smells good. I know. <laughs> oh, I use the word noise to, to take the pressure off of it. Yeah. Because stinging, we think like it has to be pretty right away. And if it's not, it's like the worst thing in the world and, and our lives are over. Yeah. Right. And we should never sing ever again. That's not true. I have made, I tell my students this all the time. I have made uglier noises <laughs> than probably you ever will <laughs> in front of people. That paid to be there. <laughs> and, and in the practice room. Hmm. So it just, you just, you got to work through the ugly. <laughs> it's like, like the ice skaters, right? Yeah. They, they don't start out that, that graceful and gorgeous. No, they fall on their butts. Yes. Yeah, and they look like dorks. <laughs> and it's only because they keep practicing, they get up and keep practicing after that, that they, we get to bear witness to that magnificence and if they never did then we would be missing out and that's yep. what okay okay we're almost done with my soapbox here we're missing <laughs> out we're missing out on your voice yep because you won't practice through the the bad quote unquote exactly that's and your voice will never exist ever 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 again right so if you have the desire to sing but you're telling yourself that you can't it's a lie it's a lie. See, you can sing hundred percent. And again, if you feel like you can't find, I, I sorry, I hope this is okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're if you feel like you can't find a teacher, you can plug have, anything you want. You're good. I have a masterclass. I have a masterclass. It's totally for free. It's like all nice. on YouTube and you can totally go. How do we find and it? Just, um, it's, Oh gosh, I didn't have this prepared. <laughs> Crazy. Um, do you have like links? Yeah, like I, I, yeah, we definitely can yeah. put it in there. Yeah, so I'll send you the link and post it. I'll put uh, it in the it's, body. It's of all the... up on my YouTube, but I, right now I have it compiled like on a okay. on a uh, a website page. But yeah. the the URL is not very. How good, do they get so. a hold of you on on social media? On social media, um, you can go. I I'll, really for my voice teaching, all I have is a Facebook page. Yeah, and it's called Horn Performance Studio. Spell that. H o r n e Horn Performance studio nice and what yeah. area of the country is that in i am in san diego okay so if you're in the san diego era area you can totally come to my classes i have group classes for beginners yeah um and then i'm also um i have a wait list for online classes as well right oh wow yeah. she's she's where the air is warm and the water the ocean is cold as shit Yes. <laughs> uh, that is it is true. quite cold. <laughs> Never get in the outpost in, in that part of the Oh, I do. You would all think the time, it would be during the summer. You would yeah, but if you've never been to the Gulf of Mexico. That's true. Yeah, the Gulf of Mexico, even in winter is like 80. Yeah. 
So yeah. it's like you get in the the Pacific Ocean just off just off California where it's nice and warm and it's like 60 and you're like, holy cow, I'm going to die. Oh, wow. <laughs> it gets cold. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> and if you're not cold, you're covered in oil. So there you are. <laughs> oh, my you Lord. can tell I've been out there. Huh? Yeah, you're so crazy. <laughs> it's true. You get you get covered in oil. There's oil for some reasons all over that area. Take you some oranges, and when you get out, you take the orange peel, uh-huh. and you use the orange peel to get the oil off of you if you if you've happened to get into a slick, and it comes right off. Interesting. That's all you need. I did not know that. I I Cynthia, my sister in law, uh, my nephew Nathan, uh-huh. when he was six. We were, they were living in Castaic, California. Uh-huh. And I went out there and then he's just covered in oil because they Ooh. didn't bother to look at the weather, you know, at the report. Yeah. To see what the ocean's doing that day. And there's oil rigs. You can see them. They're like tiny, but they're out there. He comes back and he's covered in oil and she's freaking out, losing her mind. Yeah. And I'm like, just, you got an orange, right? They're like, yeah. I just, I peel the orange, said, what, use the inside of the skin, not the outside. The inside of this orange, just rub it on the oil on this six-year-old or whatever, five-year-old, four-year-old. She did it. Wow. It came off perfectly fine. Hmm. Citrus wow. just eats the oil up. I did not know yeah. that. I must, there must be some sort of the, the reaction there must like yeah. dissolve it. Here's how I put it together. It Here's how I put it together. There's a concoction that they sell to mechanics <laughs> Called Angry Orange, or something. It? It's not Angry Orange, but sometimes something it orange, be, yeah. yeah. And it's got pumice in it, and yeah. all sorts of good stuff. And it's basically literally citrus, yeah, that's true. in a gel, yeah. And I'm like, well, they have to get that from somewhere, and we need something mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. You have an orange. That's what they're making this out of. Yeah, and it worked. Huh? Got, I, le- I learned something. You, you got crude oil. I don't know about anything else, but you got crude oil on you. It'll take it right off. Hmm. I'm not saying I want to practice that, but that's good to know. Well, at least you get an orange. Right. Yeah. Just don't eat the peel. <laughs> don't eat the peel after you wiped off the oil. Well, yeah. It might not be well. It'll make you sick. Maybe. I mean, I never know. <laughs> I don't want to try it. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I, t- I, I, you should try everything once unless you think it's stupid and then, you know, don't do it. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> You're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, I definitely, you can always, any anybody that comes on the show you know, in trade will definitely trade you out for, you know, whatever you need to do. If you, if you, you know, you hold these classes, I, I say, it sounds like you know what you're talking about. Mm. So, I mean, I've, I'm not a music teacher, but I've had music teachers and mm-hmm. I think that I, I think if you would need a music teacher and she's, if she's available probably a good idea yeah if you want to learn opera i don't know probably yeah sure if you want to learn how to uh uh smoke cigars and sing and run around don't come to me you yeah need to find a bass no you, i can <laughs> smoke cigars and sing and run around a bar and you know big people go oh wow he's pretty good you know because they're drunk it's easy to do <laughs> oh my god i'm your guy no, you did a really good job at karaoke. I was quite she, impressed. The first time she ever saw me sing, she didn't know she was coming in to see me sing. No, I didn't. What did what did uh, Heather say to you? Heather's like, you've never heard him sing before? And I was like, no, not till right now. And then I started singing and she's like... Oh. I was like, whoa, you can sing. <laughs> I'm doing, some kind of, I'm doing uh, Just a Gigolo by Louis Prima. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm doing some <laughs> I'm doing some old school Frank Sinatra swing. Mm-hmm. You know? And the women just swoon. Oh yeah. The the, the, I, the Heather's a nice lady. But that table was they they may have had a few more pizzas than I was really willing to nice what? <laughs> they're good people be nice you know i just can't help it though i mean be you know, nice we all have our preferences so people like red cars some people like blue cars oh my i'm gosh. screwed with you trying to i'm, I'm trying to get her I, I know what he's trying to do i'm gonna say oh my god paul stop <laughs> <laughs> i get her to say it every time yeah. <laughs> so I say yes to the most outrageous possible things that I can think of. And you get me to say Pretty it every great. time. I swear we're going to put it on a t-shirt that says, oh my God, Paul, stop. I got that on a t-shirt. There's a swag shop, which you can yeah. visit at paulgnewton.com. Uh, I don't have uh, things I want to know website because I'm cheap and I already have Paul G. Newton. So we're just going to run it from there. Go away. Oh, yeah. That's the way it is. So, <laughs> so if you if you're looking for some swag, we actually have that in our logo on a t-shirt and a hoodie, a really cool hoodie actually. Look, I mean, uh, you can go to get your swag on paulgnewton.com and buy that, uh, and I will take the proceeds from that and buy Andrea a Nutcracker. Oh my god. <laughs> Everybody's figured out about him to listen to it, said I like nutcrackers. And yeah. I got one for my birthday for my employees, and it's sitting on my desk yeah. at work. And so, yeah, if you want to donate to the Andrea Nutcracker Fund. <laughs> but like I said last time, if you want to donate to the Paul Fifth of, you know, Vodka Fund, I'm actually cheaper because the Fifth of Vodka is only $12 and a nutcracker is like 15 <laughs> The Nutcracker lasts forever. Vodka will only last maybe, I don't know, 10 sittings? No. Depends. <laughs> Depends. Depends. How much do I want to drink tonight? I don't know. Maybe a little? Maybe a lot? I don't know. How much are you going to get? How much? You know, I'm going to trick you into drinking half the time, so. <laughs> it's my birthday yesterday. We're celebrating. Yeah. So, we're going to celebrate, so. Anyway. So, anything else you want to ask or talk about? No, just I've learned a lot. I may get Paul to watch the Figaro. We'll Again, see. we have to go get booze first. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind watching it, uh, seeing it, if we could find some way of like, watching it on, I don't know, Netflix booze. or whatever. All right, booze. If I drink enough booze, I will either sit down and watch it or pass out and you won't have to worry about me complaining about it. <laughs> oh, we're watching it. We're watching it. <laughs> you need to be cultured. It's a win-win. I either pass out or like it, one of the two. I bet you'll like it. I like it's that a, stuff. It's, I, I, it's hard for me to read. Marriage of Figaro is a good one. It's, it's very a, funny. It's hard for me to do anything with subtitles because I think to myself, if I wanted to read it, I'd buy the book. <laughs> well, there's no book. There's and no also book. They yeah. need I know. Set on all the phenomenal acting. Exactly. <laughs> they work hard at this. What are they acting about? I don't know. It's like, hang on, I got to read this. Going to rewind it. Ah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anything else, Paul? I don't know. I don't think so. All right. Bye. Bye. Andrea and I need your help. If you like our episodes, please give us a five-star rating and a review. Not sure exactly how that helps us, but it does, and it makes people want to listen. When they see that five stars and a good review from you, 
So go to wherever you're listening to your podcasts, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, wherever, and hit that five stars. 